Hey, it's Jeff and Jeremy from the Ultra Running Guys. And if you're here, you probably already know that we started this podcast to help you take your next step in your ultra running journey. And we just wanted to take a moment to say thank you and let you know how much we appreciate you being part of the Ultra Running Guys community because we know there are a million other ways you could choose to spend this time. We love hearing from you. We're always trying to improve. So if you have guest suggestions or feedback, hit us up through social media or reach out to us at theultrarunningguys at gmail.com. And again, thanks for plugging in. And with that, enjoy the episode. And remember, when in doubt, just show up. I'm so happy that I have this, this passion that I can go and pursue. And I, I don't know if a lot of people have that. I really struggle with the idea of like, I go to work and I pay my bills and I come home and I watch TV and like, to me, that sounds like existing. And so when I have something that I'm doing that I really feel like I'm living my life, like that just makes me a happier, more fulfilled person. And I think, you can ask my wife to see if she disagrees, but I think that makes me a lot more pleasant person to be around when I am at home because I'm, I'm filling my cup up with something that means a lot to me. And welcome back to the Ultra Running Guys. You got Jeremy Reynolds and Jeff Winchester of the Ultra Running Guys. And the reason that we're here is to help you take your next step in your ultra running journey into the Ultra Running Guys family. Thank you so much for taking the time. We know there's a ton that you could be doing. And uh, if you're finding the value, share with your friends, same ask, give us the review, the star rating, all that great stuff. But let's move straight to the guest. So I'm super excited. Our guest tonight caught our attention because from the outside looking in, this guy is winning at life between constantly hitting amazing trails out in Arizona to inspiring others and making us laugh through his social media posts. We couldn't wait to sit down and learn from him through his running journey. And while he strongly buys into the idea of going out and doing hard things, he believes that we can accomplish those hard things from a place of self-love and positivity and that running is for everybody with no certain look or body type required. And being a big, strong dude at 6'5 and 275 pounds, he already proves that there is no mold in ultra running. So stick around to hear how he has so much fun, what keeps him going when things get hard, and how he plans to navigate sharing the course with hard-kicking competitors at the Man versus Horse 50-miler coming up in Prescott, Arizona in October. And with that, Chris Morrison, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. And we're so excited. So like I said, for me, I think I found you on social. You make me laugh. Um, it looks like you're always having a good time. I love the freshness of just kind of what you do. And uh, to be honest, you just look fun. And so I'm really excited about this conversation. There's a lot of things we want to talk about, obviously, specifically the horse, uh, the man versus horse. But before we get there, we want to understand your story, kind of what got you into it, because I think there's a lot to unpack there. And so if we go back to the beginning of your running journey, what got you started and why? So in 2012, I went to rehab. I had a pretty good drinking problem. And when I came out, I needed something to like fill my time. I wanted to insert some type of healthy habit into my life. I think I wanted like a big goal to, to go after, to work towards something I could accomplish that I would be proud of. And so I chose running. I signed up for a half marathon. Why I chose running as opposed to like any of the other endeavors you can choose 
I don't know. Like, I ran in basketball practice and gym class, and like, that was it. I, I think maybe there was a low barrier to entry. Like, you just needed some shoes and some shorts, and you could go. So I signed up for a half marathon and trained for it for, like, three months and went and did it. And, like, I just fell in love with running. Like, it didn't even take me up until the race. It didn't take till the finish line or any of that. Like, halfway through the whole training process, I was, like, bought in on on running so you you touched on it that you had just gotten out of rehab when that, yeah. when you got into running did you find that running helped you um stay sober i think i used it for that at first more than i do now it's always been like it has to be one or the other like if i want to do these these running pursuits if i want to do these races like alcohol can't be in the picture because i i'm all or nothing in general kind of mindset but like if i am drinking that's all i'm doing and i'm not training so i look at it more as like i have this thing that i love to do and that i want to do all the time and like i only get to do that if i'm sober so it's not necessarily like a therapy tool but it's just another part of my life that i get to enjoy just like with a family or all the different things you can lose if you're drinking. It's just one of those incentives to like stay on the straight and narrow. Well, first of all, I really appreciate your transparency and this is, you know, we had discussion about this and, and I'll speak for myself. Um, I've never been to rehab, but you know, I know the date of my last drink, November 2nd of 2009. So it's been quite a while for me, but the idea what you're talking about of, replacing habits with good habits, right? Figuring out, Hey, there's something that I'm not crazy about myself over here. What can I do? And obviously I'm excited that it was running. Cause now I get to see kind of everything that you're out there doing, but I think it says a lot about you. I think it's also interesting because we've heard you talk a little bit about it. I think some people would say, Hey, running is my therapy, right? Running is what mm. keeps me straight. And I know that you see that a little bit different. Talk to us about kind of that piece. So running is a good habit for you. It's a good way to spend your time, but you mm -hmm. even just kind of said, you know, Hey, it's not your therapy. Why is that? I, I do think running is therapeutic, just like a lot of things can be, but I, for me, treatment for alcoholism is therapy is like talking to a counselor, talking to a, a, a mental health professional, going to rehab, going to meetings. I think running can just replace, like you can, get addicted to running like you can get addicted to a sub substance and i never wanted it to be a replacement where it's like i got now i've got to go do this other thing or i'm gonna drink like that can't be like the whole solution for me because you're gonna get hurt or something's gonna happen or life circumstances change so it, it's therapeutic and it's helpful and like i said it's something i get to do but therapy is to me is like real therapy like getting professional help or or finding a, a group of other people who are trying to recover and really working through the complex emotions and, and whatever's going on inside of you that is pushing you to need to drink or use drugs or whatever. I think that is a, a healthy perspective <clears throat> because um, I do think a lot of people can fall in love with, with running as this replacement of whatever, whatever other habit that they have that they're trying to get over or get past. Um, and then something happens in their life and they're no longer able to run or something happens that they're, they can't run for even six months. Um, and they feel like their entire life is spiraling out of control. And you're right. I think you've got to have some, some 
healthy perspective of who you are in order to to kind of get through those difficult moments too. It can't be that running is the linchpin that keeps you sober. It just happens to be the outlet that you exercised to use when you just came out of rehab. And so neither of us drink, um, but we we also very intentional. Like it just doesn't work for us. Um, we right. both stop for our own reasons. We don't tell people they can't drink. We just say that for us, it just doesn't work. And that's okay. But yeah, yeah. definitely. I mean, I think like like you said, I, I think running or any type of exercise is is definitely a beneficial tool to anybody to deal with your stress level, your anxiety or whatever. It's, it's absolutely beneficial to, to everyone. And, and that's some of the things, anxiety, stress, if I'm not managing those things, those can be some of the things that prompt me to want to drink. So like, mm-hmm. it is a beneficial tool, but it's just not the hundred percent solution. I don't think um, it goes a lot deeper than just uh, replacing it with another activity. Yeah. I, I agree. I think it's very healthy. I think it, uh, I really buy into what you're saying. And mainly because I know in our audience, right, just because our audience is ultra runners, that we do see kind of a higher amount of things like addiction, substance abuse, uh, depression, some of these extreme behaviors that running really can help. And I, I really like your perspective of Hey, it doesn't need to be the thing. It's not the fix, but it is a, can be a very, you know, a great part of, uh, kind of the healthy piece there. But. That's because we're all slightly obsessive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, if yeah, you yeah. go run a hundred miles or 50 miles I mean, or we whatever, all are, right? We, I mean, we all do extreme mentality on things. And so we just can't help to obsess about stuff. And that's, that's some, to some degree, our detriment and our benefit. Yeah. It's to both. I, I, I think that's a hundred percent right. I think this still gives me some type of extreme outlet that I can go do something that's not normal, but it's not, you know, destroying my life. And, and I do, I do have a tendency to, if I'm going to do something or if I get into something, I'm going to go all in. And, you know, I started, like I said, I started this running thing, doing a half marathon. Now I'm looking at my second 50 miler. I know next year I'm aiming for my first hundred mile. So it's like, there's, there's always, uh, a little further to take it, it seems like, which is something that I really attracts me to it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my family's happier that I have chosen to be extreme in this direction. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. There are different yeah. paths and, and this one tends to be a pretty good one. And I don't apologize for that. So, all right, man. So I'm interested. So you did quite a, a, a bit of road running. So 2012 started road running, but then in 2019, because when I look at you, when I look at your stuff, man, you, I see trails. It looks like you're on all these amazing trails. You're all over the place. What prompted the switch then to, to go from road to trail? So I got, I got kind of burnt out or I just wasn't having fun, um, doing the road races anymore. I think for me, it, it lended itself to being very, very focused on performance all the time and speed and paces and splits. And, and I would sign up for a marathon and I train for however long. And then if I didn't PR my marathon, I'd be pissed off. I'd be upset, which is such a ridiculous way to feel. You just ran a marathon. You should be, be happy. But I wasn't. I was getting, like, frustrated. And and also, that's so stupid because I'm, like, it's not like I'm winning these races. Nobody cares if I finish in four hours or three hours and 50 minutes. Like, it only matters to me, but I get so upset about it. But I still really like the endurance aspect so i actually did triathlons for like a year in 2017 i did a couple of like olympic distance triathlons so i was like well let me go try this and it was okay but then i i discovered the trail and ultra and like 
even before I completed one, it was less about performance and it was more about like just doing this big thing, this like adventure and just being happy that you finished and like being out in nature. And that, that still hasn't left me. I've had good races. I've had bad races. I'm like always stoked when I finish one, I'm stoked if it sucked and it was really hard and I got through it or I'm stoked if it went really well. And so that was really kind of what triggered the move. I just, I just never got to that point with road marathons or half marathons or whatever. So I'm curious and I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, um, but we're going to talk about the crown King scramble, which was your first ultra, mm-hmm. but it, you've now had the opportunity to run it three times. So we're going to talk about a specific part of that race, but you've run it three times. I'm interested because I, I definitely understand the like, Hey, this is, uh, it's kind of the adventure. Can I get through it? You know, there's that, like, uh, ultra's got that ups and downs. Right. And, and so you mm-hmm. that feeling, but now that you've been in a little bit longer, you've had the opportunity to run that race in particular three times. Yeah. Is there the temptation to start going back to like, Oh, I ran it faster. I didn't run it faster or I, the comparison game that you were seeing in roads, or is it completely yeah. different? Uh, yeah, there was. So that's the only ultra that I've run like multiple times. And I actually ran it slower the second time this year when I did it, I'd been working with a coach for the first time and I knew I was in better shape. So I was pretty sure I could like PR my course time significantly, but I had no like set time in mind that if I don't hit this time, I just, thought if I can just do better than what I did the last two years, I'll be happy. And I I had an idea that I could probably do it like an hour faster, but it was never the like main goal. It was never like heavy on my mind. It was always kind of just this afterthought side thought of like, I could probably do that. So yes, I think maybe if you're repeating courses, um, that temptation probably could come back. But at this so far, it's just really been about the fun and the adventure and having. Yeah, it was never to the. It was never on my mind that like if I don't run this faster than I did before, then I'm gonna be upset. Even the second year I ran it, when I ran it slower, I mean, I wasn't bummed out. It was way hotter that year. A lot of people struggled through it. It was just like the same course or the same race on different years and different days. It's it's never the same. That that race has been different every year I've ran it. It was super hot last year. This year was much colder and there was like 14 water crossings that weren't there before because <laughs> they had so much snow melting. So it's never really apples to apples anyway. That's a great thing about ultras. There's always new challenges. I don't know that we've had a race that has been compar- no, comparable. Always- so I, I guess I'm, I'm wondering if you, since you've been working with a coach, if you had actually come in slower, would that have frustrated you? I don't think so. It would have made me crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was, pr- so <laughs> I think I was pretty confident that I yeah. wouldn't come in slower. Um, so it wasn't too much of a concern. Um, things would have had to probably gone really south. And if things had gone really south, I don't think I would have pinned that on coaching right, or anything right. like that, you know. So that makes sense in terms of kind of the transition, right? And so getting a little bit burned out, you find something new that's fun and fresh and adventurous been doing it for a little bit of time now though what is it about trail and ultra that keeps you coming back like what is it that you're like yeah this is the thing i want to keep going further i want to keep finding myself here i mean there's a few things there's 
so many different distances and different locations that that you can run in. I never get sick of just being out in nature, like even just all all my tra- training runs. Like I just love being out there in the desert or or wherever, running around through nature and like and honestly, the community. Like I didn't have a community of people when I was doing like road races. I was always a solo runner. And even when I first started doing ultras, I was, but as you go on, you, you meet people. I've actually met quite a few people through social media that are local people here that I go and run with now. So I'd say the community wanting to be out in nature. And then just, I still feel like a new, a newbie in this whole pursuit. I've got a lot more that I want to do and different distances I want to do and different types of races I want to do. So I don't feel like I'm anywhere near close to being done with, with this. Well, the community is the, the, I mean, the big draw for us, right? And so uh, obviously the challenge brought us uh, kind of very similar brought us, but the community and doing this and all the wonderful people we've met, like for me personally, I know that is like 100% my favorite part. So I, I feel you on that. Yeah. Um, to switching gears a little bit. One of the things that, that, that I find interesting about you, I, I've been following you on social media and everything, you know, a lot of your reels, I do like Jeremy mentioned in the beginning. Um, I laugh at, you did one recently about chafing that I thought was absolutely hysterical. Um, and <laughs> I won't go into the details of it, but it was fantastic. So everybody's <laughs> listening to check it out. But the, the point of that for me is that you're, you're doing stuff that makes me think that, that anybody who follows you or sees what you're putting out there would be encouraged to give running a shot. Um, yes. And I think I think your social media account does that. I think it influences people in a positive direction that that makes running think that anybody can do it. What is your philosophy on that? Do you, like, how do you view running for everybody being being able to do it? It's not an exclusive sport, right? It's definitely not. And I that's my goal with a lot of the stuff that I post is one to show what I'm doing, but also to show that like this can be fun. This is like a positive thing. And if you look at me you don't think I'm a runner. Like I'm a, I'm a big guy. I'm six foot five. I'm 275 pounds. You know, I've, I've done races when I'm leaner and I'm more like 240, 235. But even at that, I'm a big, I'm a big guy to be out there and I can go and do it. And I just, I think, uh, I just want to encourage people. Like they don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to look like a elite athlete or weigh a certain amount or anything to go out and do these, especially these ultra distances. Cause in a way, I I almost feel like the ultras are more, at least to me, it was like more attractive to me because like like we were talking about before with the performance, it's more about just getting it done. And you don't have to be fast, but if you can just have a mindset of I'm going to go out there for 8, 10, 12 hours, whatever the cutoff is for those distances, like you can do this. And if you have to take walking breaks or or whatever, it's 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 totally doable. And I think there's a larger sense of accomplishment in just finishing this this like high mileage race maybe more so than like trying to run a shorter race really fast but um i just yeah i just try to keep it light i try to keep it fun there's a lot of stuff i see where it's all about suffering and making yourself tougher and conquering your inner bitch or whatever you know and i i don't think it all has to be this super tough like hard as nails It, it is hard it is tough but like it can have a more positive spin on it than a kind of a negative, um, maybe punitive self-discipline type of feel. 
So basically what you're saying is that I don't, that even though I enjoy the aspect of suffering, there's a positive element about it. I don't have to go out there and just try to destroy myself and always be so self-deprecating, right? Yeah. It's, it's more of a, an environment that is positive for everybody. It's an encouraging group of people that do ultras and everything. Um, and yeah, you are going to suffer and yeah, you're going to struggle. Um, but you're not trying to prove how hard you are. You're actually just trying to prove to yourself as something you can and cannot do. Yes. I, I have a little bit of an aversion even to the word suffering. Mm-hmm. And I hear that I get thrown around like so much because in my mind, suffering is like, I have a disease that nobody can cure and I, I'm in pain or, and I can't stop it. Or I lost a loved one and I can't do anything to bring them back. Like that's suffering, suffering. You can't just put a stop to. When you're out doing these races or doing these hard training runs, there's a level of voluntary suffering, but like you can pull the plug at any moment and just be done. And I know a lot of us don't go into it with that mindset because you don't want to quit easy and, and you do want to finish what you're doing, but technically you can just stop it. So Mm -hmm. the suffering part for me, it's more like I'm encouraging myself from a place of confidence and self-love to push myself to do something that is going to be really hard. I'm going to ask myself to do something really hard, but I'm going to ask myself to do this because I think that I can. I'm not, yeah, I'm not going out there just to suffer and destroy myself and break myself down. There is going to be some pain and, and, and some breaking down, but that's not like the primary goal. It's a strengthening process. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I said before, like conquering your inner bitch, I've heard that thrown around a lot and I'm like, encourage your inner badass to, to go do something. Like it's probably semantics and people are probably getting to the same place via different routes. But I think perspective is really important. And to me, that's a more positive way to approach it. And I think that's probably a more welcoming place. If you propose the idea of ultra running or trail running or running in general to somebody and you give them that perspective as opposed to this badass tough as nails you got to be super hard and run on broken legs or whatever i think that can discourage a lot of people that can't relate to that i think it's a really good point and so you know two things one when we talked with Callie vincent hey anybody can do this right? That you can show up to a starting line and it doesn't matter what you look like. You're going to be welcomed. And there's going to be people that probably look like you, but there is no one size look anything. But then the second piece of it is what you're saying, because, you know, there's two parts. We've had this conversation a lot. I would say that that David Goggins has probably brought more people to ultra running than just about anything else. Right. And before David Goggins, there's a couple other things. However, we've had the conversation that once people get there or are inspired to start that, a lot of times there's the like, okay, well, where do I go from here? Does this really how I want to continue on? Is there, you know, does it really have to be miserable all the time? Now, obviously the flip side of that is like a Courtney DeWalter, right? And you look at her and smile and joy and things, but it'd be interesting to see if she would use the word suffering. I mean, I think a lot of people get into it from a prove it to themselves type mentality. Right. It's still a, those who stick around begin to evolve almost to, I really just love the community. I really love the experience. I love being a part of it. Um, I love the challenging of myself. I do. I think there's this, 
hate to use this word, there's this maturing, if you will, of how we even approach the our, our participation in our training and in the runs themselves. I think if we're going to stay in the sport long term, we have to have that healthy perspective. We, we can't always try to bury ourselves because there's no joy in that. There's nothing positive about that. And we just can't live in that world. Um, but I do think that Goggins and, and those who've who, who kind of challenge you to prove it to yourself that you can do hard things um, is what inspires a lot of people who sit all day at their desk or at their, in at their house or whatever it is trying to figure out why they are just bored and they don't know why they can't do something. And they look at us and like, I can't believe you do that. I could never do that. And that begins to be that impetus, I think, that pushes people to it. But yeah, I think it's a an evolution once you get into it. Yeah. I'll say I'm one of those people. Like David Goggins was the first person that really put ultra marathons like on my radar by hearing him on podcasts and stuff. And I read his book and I you know, was like, yeah, I'm going to go out and be a badass. And, mm -hmm. and it got me into it. But like you said, as you go, you evolve. And I find other people that are more relatable or, or people that I kind of agree with their philosophies more. I wouldn't say I'm like a devout david goggins follower <laughs> um anymore but he's he was definitely the person who who got me into it and and to be honest like for me like we talked about with road races and i i got burnt out and i was not having fun anymore and i think if i continue to keep this hard-ass approach and this is just this discipline this thing i have to do and uh, and all that I, I think i probably would have stopped having fun and and stopped doing it and also you mentioned Courtney DeWalter and like, I'll paraphrase, but you know, she talks about pain cave. So obviously she talks about getting to a point where she's really in it. But then I've also heard her say, and this is where I'll paraphrase something to the extent of like, okay, I'm here and I'm glad I'm here. This is where I want to be. You know, this is this now I'm, now I'm really going to put in the work. Now I'm, I'm making progress. And that to me is just the difference in the mentality of like, yeah, this is hard and this is tough, but like, this is what I want to do and I can do this and I'm going to see how long I can do this for. To me, that's just such a much more positive way to look at it. She's, she's probably like my, probably my favorite uh, as far as runners that I follow, you know, I'm I, sure with most we're all people. in that boat right now with you. Yeah. Cause we, we talked oh, about yeah. that ever since Western States and we saw her getting that, get in the, what is the kayak or whatever it was the boat, the yeah, boat that, with that volunteer and the way she was interacting with everybody. I thought, Holy smokes, you are one of the most positive people I have come across and seen. Yeah. yeah she's great. Yeah. I think it's, there's something for everybody. And, and, to your point, depending on where you are in your journey, there's going to be things that inspire people differently. And I'm, I'm glad that there is kind of the range of, hey, it's got to be tough because sometimes we have to figure that out. Sometimes it has to be look in the mirror. You can be tougher than you are. Go get it done. Right. But yeah. then then when I go look at your account, I'm like, man, this is a guy I want to hang out with. This is a guy I want to meet up with on the trail and I want to get myself better, but I want to have a good time doing it. And I want to have some laughs and, you know, I want to build those relationships. And so I think it's good that the spectrum's out there. I love what you do for that. Um, I just think it's a cool perspective. Yeah. And if anybody's listening that knows David Goggins, we'd still like to have him on the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not, just, I'm not sure. I know. Yeah. Ash. So I just want y'all to be all clear that if right. David wants on the show or y'all know him, please send him our way. And again, Courtney friends, we'll take Courtney too. For sure. Well, back to back episodes if need be. All right, man. So let's switch gears a little bit. We want to talk about a couple of your kind of particular experiences as we lead up to your training and what you're looking forward to for man versus horse. And so we always like hearing about, you know, favorite memories, 
hardest moments, those types of things. But we're going to take you to Crown King Scramble. We mentioned it. That was your first ultra. It's 2021. So this is a point-to-point race, 6,800 feet of gain in a 50K. Yeah. That's a no-joke 50K. Talk about mile 29. Yeah. So let's jump to the end of that because that was one of the things that came up, right? So yeah. tell us about the last two miles. First, set the scene. If I'm there, sure. wh- what do I see if I'm looking around? And then let's talk about the experience. Yeah. So like you said, that race is a steep one. And a lot of that climbing, probably 4,500 feet of it, is in the back half of it, you know, from maybe mile – I don't know exactly 15, 16 to like 29. Once you get to the top though, it's like a two mile descent down into crown King into the finish line. And it's just this dirt road. I think you lose like 600 feet. So you get to just cruise in. So it's kind of like when you hit that, that mile, the mile 29, like, you know, you're going to finish. I mean, unless you're pushing cutoffs, you know, you're going to finish. And for me, so like, going back to the drinking thing and I should probably be a little more transparent about. So like I went to rehab in 2012. I've not been sober since 2020. Right. Like I've had relapses and ups and downs. Then I wanted to do an ultra. I think, I think 2018 was when I was like, I'm going to go after an ultra and I'd signed up for a couple of them and I never even made it to the start line because I couldn't keep my shit together long enough with drinking to properly train and show up. So I'd had, this has been this big goal that I wanted to do for, for quite a while. And then I'd had these setbacks and these false starts thinking I was going to do it. So like when I hit that, that beginning of that downhill descent and I knew that I was going to make it and finally finish this thing, like I just cried, like I cried for like a mile and a half and I got myself together, you know, before the finish line for the finish line photos and all that. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty emotional. It was, uh, it was a big deal to me and I'm pretty hard on myself and my confidence is not always the highest. I usually feel like I have to achieve something pretty substantial to really like give myself a pat on the back. And so I'm not going to cry on this podcast. I had a couple miles to give myself a pat on the back um, coming into the finish. And so I could still like picture, feel it, you know, you're up in the pine trees. It's, just this beautiful downhill cruise. And it was, um, yeah, I just got a moment to be proud of myself. That's incredible. I love that story you so much. You should be proud of yourself. Yeah. Well, and, and not just for finishing an ultra, right? But it, so again, one of the things that I really appreciate about what you just said is there are people listening and we talk a lot about success stories, right? Here's where we were. These are the things that we've done. This is how I come out the other end. What I love about what you just said is, hey, it hasn't all been like, yes, I went in 2012. Yes, that started my journey. I've had ups and I've had downs. I've had moments of, I'm sure, you know, feeling like a failure and I've had moments where I've triumphed. And that was a moment where you proved to yourself that, hey, I fell down a few times, but here I am. I've done something hard. This is something I want to do for a long time. Um that's just, it's special, man. I, I just, I, I, man, I'm good with emotions. You be emotional. That's cool. I cry with you. Listen, All right. uh, that's <laughs> legit. You're, you get up. I can't imagine what went through your head. You're at mile 28 and you're still looking up. Cause I think you, like you said, there's 4,000 feet of elevation, 4,500 uh, feet of elevation, the last 10 or so miles of this thing, but you're peaking up this and you realize 
that you're going to make it. And you, when you're cresting, that's huge, man. Like that's yeah. a big freaking deal. Um, and so I like just going through his head, the emotions of it all for anybody, even, even if you weren't dealing with what you just said, right. For people to finish their first ultra, it's an emotional experience because they can't believe they did it. And when they've yeah. had to overcome obstacles to get to that point, it means a ton to a lot of us. And so Kudos to you. Kudos to you for sticking to it. And kudos for continuing to be um, transparent about the struggle with alcoholism. Like it's a real fight for many people. And so we don't have to be ashamed of that. We just have to say, this is where I'm at. And we just keep moving forward. And so um, I appreciate that. And we'll cry together. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I want to be clear on. Cause I, I don't really even touch on like my sobriety or recovery too much publicly or online, but I have, I have mentioned, hey, I went to, because I get, I, the question has come up, how do you start running? And right. rehab and coming out of rehab is always really the beginning of that. Mm-hmm. But I kind of leave it at that. And so, you know, I, I don't want it to give the um, appearance that it's just been this linear progress from then till now, because there have been starts and stops and, and ups and downs. And I'm sure a lot of people can probably relate to that. So. Yeah. And, and that's why running by itself doesn't keep you sober. It's surrounding yourself no. with people and, and that can help you walk through the day-to-day parts of life. And so well, to that point, like you said, people can relate because yes, your story includes the alcohol piece, but whether it's relationships, whether it's, I mean, there's all oh. kinds of things that, that that goes to, right. Where we all want to be better versions of ourselves and, and sometimes we fall short, but you're a great example that if you keep moving forward, then you get, you get to, come to the peak, come over and then get the two miles to feel, yeah. you know, give yourself that pat on the back. So how fast did you run those last two miles? Oh man, probably <laughs> not very fast. <laughs> probably 11 to 12 minutes, something like that. But that's the first time. Yeah. That's awesome. Though. Well, now I understand yeah. why you've run it two more times. Cause it sounds like that was a pretty special. And I know your plan was, is. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. It's, it was, yeah, super special to me. So the idea that I can go back and, and run that every year is kind of, is kind of a plan. And it, I figure if, cause I don't know what's going to come up with life and, and maybe that's the only race I can do one year, but I want to, I want to always do that one. Cause it's, it's, it's just a, a reminder of progress made every I time it. I run it. I love it. All right. So now I'm going to fast forward you though. So that was a good high moment. Yeah. Coldwater Rumble 52 miler. Yeah. So same kind of thing. I want to first let's talk about the course. Just tell us about the race itself. If I'm there, what do I see? You know, what what should I expect at the Coldwater Rumble? So Coldwater Rumble is in the uh, Australia Regional Park kind of here in the Phoenix Valley. It's a relatively flat course. I think over the 52 miles there was like 4,500 feet of vertical gain. So it's, there's not any really big climbs or anything like that. And it's a looped course. So there's a hundred mile distance and it's a 20 mile loop. So the hundred milers do it five times, do math real quick in my head. Uh, (laughs) So the 52, it was like two loops and it's washing machine style. So you go a different direction each time you go out. Hmm. So it's two 20 mile loops. And then there's a shorter 12 mile loop, just pretty sandy and rocky and relatively flat as far as actual terrain spoiler alert you finish but i know it wasn't easy so take us to because when we asked you right this is why we like to ask guests ahead of time like hey what are some moments that jump out take us to midway 
The first 20 miles, it was so much fun because I had started to get to know people locally or I had people that I connected with on social media and there was a bunch of different distances. And so the, the first loop, there's so many runners out there of different distances and some of the really fast 100 milers are like already coming back towards you on their second loop. There's just people everywhere and the energy was just super high. And then you go back out for that second loop and a lot of the shorter distances are finished. People are starting to spread out more. And I got on the back side of that second loop. I don't know where how far I was, maybe 34 miles or something like that. And it's just sandy and rocky. And I'm like, my hips are getting sore and I'm moving slow. And I, I'm pretty sure I didn't see anybody for like an hour. And... It was enough time to be like, what the hell am I doing out here? Like, I am literally running out here in the middle of nowhere by myself. Like, I just questioning, like, why am I doing this? Like, did I go off course? You know, just your mind can wander. And you start thinking about, like, how much further you have to go. And I want to say at that point, I don't think it was the furthest I've ever run because I had done a 60K leading up to that. But it was I was pretty close to, like, the furthest I'd ever run anyway. So it was just a good hour, I mean, of just kind of like, what am I doing out here? This is crazy. You know, I, I wouldn't say it was a super low, low moment. I don't think I've had a super low moment in a race yet. So I'm going to continue to go up in distances in search of that. But yeah, it was just uh, kind of shuffling and kicking rocks and, and just kind of kind of low. But the cool part was I had a buddy who was running the 100 miler. And he came up behind me and then he had like a train, like four or five other hundred milers. And they were all just hooked up running together and they were, you know, headed the same direction as me. So I just hopped in line with them and just like, I literally just rode their energy, like the next, whatever it was, six, seven miles back to the start finish where I would get to pick up my pacer and, and not have to be alone anymore. But that was probably the lowest part of moment I've ever had in a race, I'd say. So what was your answer to what am I doing out here? Did you ever answer that question? No. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I got that far. They showed up and kind of saved me. And I think it was just more of a just keep going. And I think I knew that if I just kept going, it would turn around. I was pretty sure I wouldn't feel that way the whole time. So did you ever doubt it. during it that you could do it? Or is it really just a matter of like, just some of that like uh, gosh man no i didn't doubt whether i could do it i was never tempted to drop out i haven't been tempted to drop out of a race yet that race i will say has a very comfortable 32 hour cutoff time so like the 100 mile cutoff time is 32 hours and that's that goes for all the distances which was part of the reason i chose that race because even though i didn't think i would need anywhere near that amount of time it was nice to have that really big buffer but no, it was more like, am I going to finish this in the time that I was kind of thinking I probably could? But again, that was a really an afterthought. I was with my first 50 miler. I was just wanting to finish. The goal was just finish, you know? You know, it's so funny. And we've talked about this a lot, but it's actually hard for me when I think about my lowest moments in races, because like, I know I've been there and I'm like, things hurt. And they suck, but I feel like it doesn't take long after a race for that to kind of numb out. And I can't really put myself mentally in really how bad it was. 
what mm-hmm. I can put myself back immediately is the, why am I out here? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel that immediately of being able to put back and go, yeah, I remember how angry I was at myself for thinking this was a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, like, this just doesn't make sense. This is stupid. I haven't seen anybody forever. It's just funny when you said that I totally relate to that feeling. But it was it was why am I out here and also feeling like the next six or seven miles to get back to that start finish seemed like they were going to take forever. <laughs> and and then I was like, and I got another 12, which ended up being like another 14, really. I think it was a 54 mile race technically, but yeah, um, yeah, but I yeah feel just like feeling it, like it was never going to end. Yeah, I feel like it was a saving grace to have your friend come up with you yeah. um, with the oh, other right. runners, I think, because if you would have had to stay another six, seven miles in that frame of mind. Um, up to the aid station it could have been a whole another outcome it might have been right it's it good to have, have those four those forced pacers that show up um to to run you down the trail are also very helpful sometimes yeah and i was fortunate enough to have a pacer for that last that last loop that last shorter loop and i knew i had him waiting for me there shout out to oscar gonzalez so i, I knew if i could just get back to him i'd probably give me some kind of a pick me up that helps all right, so we talked about cold water. We talked about Crown King, I believe it was called. Uh, yeah. Both those um, and all your ultra experiences you've had so far. So, what have you learned about yourself through this? Oh man, I mean, the biggest thing is that I am tougher. Like, I can do these hard things. I can do these tough things. I think um, I think I quit on a lot of stuff when I was younger, and I think I've often questioned if I really had like the the grit or the determination to like see something tough through, see something like difficult through. And even though this is a race and it's not the races and it's not really real life, I do think some of that transfers over to real life or it's almost like a practice ground where you can apply these mentalities or these mindsets or this skill set that you want to apply to other aspects of your life. And so it's, it's been something that's definitely given me more confidence and shown me that I can do something really difficult. It's also brought out a really social side of me that has not always been the case. I've never, ever been the person to like have a bunch of friends, a big group of friends. Um, honestly, up until the beginning of last year, I always ran solo, like, I didn't have running partners, but even just in life, I'd never had like a bunch of friends. I was always kind of a, a loner. And the more that I've gotten into this community and like going to group runs or finding other people here locally that are training for the same race. And we go and do our long runs together, or even like, you know, that example at cold water really sticks out to me of like, I enjoy this doing this more with other people it's brought out like a more social, more outgoing side of myself that like has not always been the case in 38 years of life. So that's been really cool. I mean, the personality and some of the things that you see that I put online, like that's me around my family and like a couple real close friends, but that's not usually how I would kind of show myself to the world up until pretty recently. Yeah. I was going to ask you what, what do you think your family's perception of the new Chris is? I don't think I'm a new Chris to them. I guess seeing me be more social, uh, you know, is it's different for them. But like the way that I act around my family and stuff has never really changed. It's just 
more so that I'm like willing to to be more social, more outgoing, like hang out with other people, joke around with other people, be more personable, more friendly with other with other people. Yeah, I think what I was thinking more in terms of even what you said you learned from being involved in ultras was the confidence that you have in yourself. To oh, that part. Things. So I assume that that gotcha. impact would would ripple um, to other areas of your life just to see that you have changed um, that that aspect about yourself. Yeah, I definitely know that they're 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 proud of me. I think that people, if I had to speak for them, I would think I would I would say that they can count on me more that I'm more dependable, that I don't just shut down or run away or quit on something like super easily. Um, my wife would much, much prefer that I'm slightly obsessed with uh, trail running than <laughs> the opposite <laughs> or what I used to do, I should say. Well, and, and so I don't know if the timing works out just right. And I don't know if it, it played into any, any of the motivation, but so you're a dad now. You got a two-year-old, correct? Correct. And, and so, I mean, that that first race was essentially two years ago. And so I, it's not anything that I try to make a connection with before now or anything that we've talked about, but has that played, becoming a dad, has that played a role in all in, in some of what you've been doing with Ultra and just some of the changes you've been making in life? Yeah, absolutely. My So my wife was, five, I think, five months pregnant with my son when I finished Crown King. And so the, the finish line photo, he's, he's there, you know, in utero, but <laughs> he's, uh, he's there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how I could have a son and have someone who looks up to me as an example and to be someone that I know he's watching so closely and not want to provide that good example. And one of the things that I think about it, even when it comes to running, because I, I do contend sometimes with how much time it can take. Like mm. it's not a endeavor that only takes you know, 20, 30 minutes a day. I get up on Saturday mornings and, and leave, you know, and I might be gone for four or five hours, depending on where I'm at in the training block. And I, I struggle with that sometimes with feeling selfish, like I'm taking away from family time, but when I really think about it, ultimately, I think it's going to be, I hope it's going to be more beneficial for him to see me being active and being committed and going out and pursuing my goals and pursuing my dreams. And I hope he's going to see that and that's going to um, ho hopefully have an impact on him. So, so it definitely does. Um, uh, you know, I don't want to see, oh, dad says he's going to do this thing and then he doesn't do it. Or he signs up for this thing and then he doesn't show up, you know, in, in a lot of different aspects. But if we're, if we're talking about running, like, I definitely do do think of that. I want to be doing something that he can look at and be, like, proud of and be like, oh, my dad's a badass. And <laughs> I want to try to I want to try to do that. So it definitely, definitely has an impact. I feel that, man. My daughter has made a big impact on me in, in some moments of my lowest moments. Now she's older and I, I tend to care less, <laughs> but part of it is because I think she's already learned that lesson from me, you know, but I mean, especially when she was younger, that was the thing that would keep me going is I didn't, I never wanted her to see me quit. And so I hope she leaves yeah. a review on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and, and like we said, you know, it's not, it's not my therapy, but it is 
part of what really helps me. And I think it makes me a better person. Right. And part of it making me a better person is just simply because I'm, I'm so happy that I have this, this passion that I can go and pursue. And I, I don't know if a lot of people have that. I really struggle with the idea of like, I go to work and I pay my bills and I come home and I watch TV and like, to me, that sounds like existing. And so when I have something that I'm doing that I really feel like I'm living my life, like that just makes me a happier, more fulfilled person. And I think you can ask my wife to see if she disagrees, but I think that makes me a lot more pleasant person to be around when I am at home because I'm, I'm filling my cup up with something that means a lot to me. So good. That was so good. I, I think it's great. And I'm not going to ask your wife. You can. <laughs> <laughs> I've been told I need to go for a run more than once. I'll say that. <laughs> You're like, okay. Uh, yeah. Well, then, <laughs> then you know it's got to be positive. Sense. So then don't feel bad about the four hour. Right. That just makes you, you know, you come back even happier. happier. If one hour run is good, then a four hour run's got to be. As long as you don't yeah. crash for the rest of the day. Yeah. I'll let them do that. All right, man. So man versus horse. This one I'm really interested in because so my mom lives in Prescott, Arizona, where this uh, race takes place. But I had heard the name, and it's funny, man versus horse. You would think it would be intuitive. But it wasn't until I heard you talk about the fact that you are literally racing horses yeah. uh, along with other runners on, on the trail. So how did this come about, or how did this get on your radar? Why have you chosen this race? And then I gave a little bit of detail, but tell us all about it. Yeah, I mean, I just I know about the race just – from living here and seeing some other other runners post about it like i said i've done 150 and for whatever reason like i know i want to try to tackle a hundred miler next year but i wanted to get like one more 50 under my belt and then probably 100k before i do that so i was, I was looking for a 50 miler to run like this fall or this winter and um i mean like you said there's there's horses racing the runners everyone's horses and man are competing against each other and like it just seemed like such a unique race with that aspect it's it's from what i can tell it's a lot more like old school race i guess kind of feel like in, instead of having like a digital clock at the start line the finish line they just have like this old like round wall clock that you like see in an office it's like it's no frills it's a it's a smaller local race i don't know how many people wouldn't would know about it outside of arizona so i was just drawn really to the what seemed like a really unique atmosphere more than anything and i've never been around horses like ever so that kind of freaks me out a little bit which is a little fun add a little adventure in there to try not to get kicked they, they love it when you run right behind them yeah so. <laughs> there's a, there's all kinds of rules in the uh race guide about like your headlamp how bright it can be and it has to be dimmable and i I think they want you to keep it on red if you're passing a horse because I, I think the other, like the white color can spook them. I, yeah. I think it's, you should use the blinking option. <laughs> <laughs> there was even a note in there about if it has a ribbon on its back that it's, I, I guess, more potentially a kicker. Uh, more it might be a little more likely to, to kick you. So, yeah, I mean, it's just such a unique race. I'm like, how, how wide is the trail? I don't know. <laughs> so on your left <laughs> i'm not i'm not i'm not really great about researching races a ton uh, i'm a i'm and i never have been i'm a big fan of like i'll just sign up and like 
I, know, I like to like kind of just experience it and like figure it out as I go. I might look at it maybe a, a week or two out, and then usually there's something I'm like, oh shit, I probably should have known that. Yeah, speaking of crap's gonna be everywhere. Oh yeah, yeah. You <laughs> oh, have I didn't even think about that, <laughs> brother. So I mean, I I've run <laughs> the Capitol backyard, which is the trails. There there are horse trails, so typically there's not horses during it, and I still have to really watch where I run. You're gonna have the fresh mess all over that trail, I'm sure. So yeah, that'll be a new aspect. Try, not make, a- try not try to be done before dark, otherwise. Or I just stay in front of all the horses the whole time. That's true. Could just outrun them. <laughs> I actually, uh, I think it was last year or the year before Nick Curry here. He was the first guy to ever like outright beat all the runners and all the horses. Wow. He's pretty it's, it's like I think they started the race in 83. So it's been around a while and he was the first one to like actually beat all the horses. So chances are I'm going to be dodging some horse manure. Well, the funny thing is, so when I first heard that, of course, the first thing I think of is Western States and kind of the lore around how that all started, right? Is the horse race and anyways, all that. And so when when I heard this one, I was like, man, that sounds like getting back to the roots of ultra running and horses on the same course. And so I'm interested to hear after, you know, kind of what the experience is, but. Oh, he's going to have reels. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, that's uh... a. <laughs> That's exactly it. That's exactly kind of what drew me to it. Is it has that? It seems like it has that old school feel. So that's what I'm. I'm really looking forward to. So that said, what are your biggest concerns, or what are your biggest things you're having to think about going into this race? Even though we just learned um, about much of a planner, <laughs> <laughs> he's not worried at all. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a couple things. So it it goes up and down Mingus Mountain which is like part of the Cocodona course too. I don't really know like what that looks like. I've seen kind of some images of the trails like before and after that. And it actually looks pretty, pretty smooth and pretty runnable. It looks like from what I've seen compared to what I run here locally, I just don't really know what I'm in for on that mountain section. And also I'm going to do the earlier start, which is 5.30 AM. So I'll get an extra hour, but it's still a 13 and a half hour cutoff for me which I believe is doable, but like, I don't have that buffer. Like I had with cold water. I was like, if I can walk and finish, you know, cold water before cutoff, but you know, I ran cold water. It was the mileage was a little bit longer, but the elevation gain was less in 12 and a half hours. So I feel pretty confident that I can probably finish this race around the same time. Like I don't don't jinx myself, but like around a 12 hour ish mark, but I don't know. It doesn't, that doesn't give me a whole lot of buffer for that cutoff. So, so that's probably what I'm the most concerned about is if I can actually finish it in time. You're going to do great. I think if, so. If things get challenging, just hop on the back of a horse. There'll oh, be pl- plenty out there. <laughs> or just hold the tail. Maybe they'll give you a pull. Yeah. That's a, that'll be a great <laughs> opportunity to learn how to ride a horse for the first time. <laughs> just don't let them break a rib with oh a kick. <laughs> And number one is don't get injured by the horse. So, so talk to us through your training. So a couple of interesting things. We mentioned the crown King scramble. You've ran it three times. Your third finish was quite a bit better, but we also know you started working with a coach. Mm-hmm. And so I'm interested in your training as you, you know, you learned some lessons. It sounds like a cold water rumble as you get prepared for this. Is there anything different you're doing in training? What does your training look like? 
And then also you got Havelina hangover coming up, mm-hmm. which I'm guessing yeah. is just kind of a long run, but talk to us about your training, how you're approaching it. Yeah. So the only real difference with training for Manigas horse versus like cold water is I'm just getting more, ele- I'm working more elevation into it because there's, there's more vertical gain. Other than that, it's, it's not much different than what I did leading up to cold water. So the Havelina hangover 50 K is actually the Saturday night. So it's, it's coming up here in just a few days. It's a night race. They do night races here all through the summer because it's so hot, but yeah, hundred percent had like a 30 mile, training run on the calendar and i was like i really don't want to go out and run 30 miles like by myself i'd much rather do that in a race environment and and take advantage of the aid stations and the energy and everything so i'm going to use it as a long training run but i'm i'm not going to run it hard (laughs) i keep telling myself that and my coach keeps reminding me like you are not supposed to be destroyed after you finish this race so it looks like um, you're still trying to convince yourself of that I'm just reminding myself (laughs) (laughs) to take it easy. (laughs) Uh, It'll be the first time I've done that. I've never gone into a race and kind of been like, this is really just a training run. This is it. Um, Because I didn't even sign up for it until like, I want to say like three or four weeks ago. You know, it was kind of a somewhat last minute decision. But yeah, I mean, I'm doing, you know, for this race, I'm doing right now like 40 to 50 mile weeks this week and the next two weeks are really like the peak weeks i think i'll probably have some 50 plus mile weeks in there but a lot of it is just easy effort miles on the trail getting vert you know there'll be a a little bit of speed work mixed in usually one day really where there's some type of speed work and i'll I'll do that here on the canal pass by my house because they're just flat pavement and like it's easier to keep a pace you know the trails are a little bit up and down and all over the place but um yeah nothing too too different from cold water that's cool um i'm gonna go back to the coach um discussion just a little bit so people who are listening they hear that some of the the, uh some of our guests have coaches some do not and a lot of people that stick into the sport for a few years you know follow enough people on social media that they see that there are coaches or that they have coaches and something like that and they ask themselves the questions why should i have a coach should i do i need a coach am i supposed to get a coach for you, what was the catalyst to get a coach in the first place? So I did like, I think I did like four ultras, like three fifty k's and a sixty k, just on my own using running plans that I found for free on by googling fifty k running plans. I mean, I wasn't really making any progress; just trying to do it myself. I was kind of just, no matter how much I trained, I would just show up to the race and kind of have a really similar outcome. I was really ignorant on like hydration and, and and having any type of hydration strategy or nutrition or feeling strategy. So I wanted somebody that could help me with that. And I also knew that I wanted to start doing these longer distances, these 50s, these hundreds. You know, I have ambition to do the 200 mile distances at some point. And um, I thought it would be smart to have somebody who was experienced that could guide me through that process plus it's so nice to just like cheese as an app i just open up the app oh six miles today cool go do it i don't have to put a whole lot of thought into it my training plan is like spelled out for me but yeah just just the experience of somebody who because she's personally done all this she's run cocodona 250 
you know, she just did Mogion Monster Hundred Miler last weekend and got like fifth female. Like she knows what she's doing. And so just to have that experience and have somebody help me fill it. So like I'm not like I said, I'm not a big researcher. I'm not gonna figure out nutrition and feeling strategies and all that on my own. But if I have somebody just tell me what to do, then then I'll do that. So it's funny because there's people that love the planning stuff and love like figuring out what's the plan, you know, hey, this many miles that uh, and and I actually just recently stopped with him working with the coach, but the whole time that was like one of my favorite parts was just shut up and color, right? Just like you said, I'm just going to look, here's the plan. That's all I got to do. I don't know how to worry about putting it together. Um, yeah. But what are some of the biggest changes there? Cause you mentioned something as far as nutrition, hydration, what are some of the biggest changes that you've made since working with the coach that, that you've noticed an impact? Yeah. I mean, just knowing like, kind of the amount of like, like how much fluid I should be taking in per hour, you know, or, or the amount of like electrolytes or sodium so that I'm not, you know, my second ultra, my leg the last five miles, my legs were cramping so bad. I was like face planting into the, to the washes. Cause I just, I was just dehydrated or, you know, I was going out and doing these 20 mile runs and I'm not joking, maybe taking 200, 300 calories the whole time. It was hard, but I'm like, yeah, I'm running 20 miles. This is supposed to be hard. And once I started actually eating like an appropriate amount on a regular basis, I was like, oh my God, this is, this is so much better. <laughs> I feel great. Like it was a very stark comparison. So what do you have specific numbers that you shoot for, for both of those? Or how do kind you of. That? Yeah. I mean, I don't know the numbers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I know how much like. I know that I try to drink like one soft flask of tailwind, like an hour along with like one of water. Like I know if I drink that every hour or so, cause I sweat a ton then I'm good. And as far as calories, like for me, I like to hit about like 300 calories per hour. Um, I don't know what the carb intake is on those. I know most of what I'm eating is carb heavy. So I just assume I'm getting enough carbohydrates. I don't like the science part of it. I just want to like <laughs> go out and run and have fun. So that that's where I struggle with like with um, knowing all the exact amounts and numbers. But I know if I drink that much, if I eat this many calories, then like that's like a good spot for me. So I just know that works. Well, it's interesting because so with the two flasks you're talking about in your um, hydration vest, you're probably taking in 28 to 32 ounces of, of water or fluid rather per hour, which is actually one of the recommendations for a lot of people who are moderate to heavy sweaters um, from a hydration standpoint. So that makes sense with where you're coming from. Um, and 300 calories is probably about right. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to tell you what your carbs need to be, but um, <laughs> I would say from a hydration standpoint, for sure, um, you're hitting that right. And you would notice a difference if you're able to get that in. It's a lot of fluid, but um, ironically, most of us need that much, um, particularly when we're sweating that hard. And our environment dictates that a lot um, yeah. in Arizona. So, um, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I go. I know. I know. I drink. Like, I know when I go out with my buddies, it seems like I'm drinking like so much more than them. But it's just, it's just what I need them. And like you said too, here in Arizona, especially this summer, we we had the hottest summer on record for Phoenix. Which mm -hmm. you know, especially being Phoenix, is saying something. We had in July, we had 31 days where we were. 110 or over and so 
Yeah, it's crucial. I mean, I do all my training runs outside. I don't do the treadmill or anything like that. So I definitely know that that amount works for me because I've tested it out quite a bit this summer. But yeah, the calories are tough. And sometimes I think maybe I should take in more because I'm a bigger guy, but I just, it, it seems to work for me. And I'm, I struggle with like wanting to eat when I'm running. Like I, my app, there's no appetite. It's, it's like always a force feed for me. It looks like I just know I need to put this in my body. So I just put it in my body and, and move on. Well, especially practicing during the heat, if you're doing that, then I'm assuming it probably comes easier in cooler temperatures. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And one of your flasks he mentioned has electrolytes and it's not water. I'm assuming it's like a scratch or a tailwind. Or well, something. he said tailwind. 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 Yeah. So yeah. you're getting some of your calories through. Um, right. That's calories as well. As well. Mm-hmm. Is that including right. your 300 or is, are you drinking tailwind plus 300? I it's plus. So I do, I try to do 300. Yeah. So I guess it is more. See, yeah. Yeah. You're probably getting at least 30 grams of carbs between the two. Uh, more than that. That's what I'm saying. And and the target would be 45 to 60. Yeah, I was gonna say if if he's carb centric, which tailwind's gonna be all carb essentially, unless you're using the recovery or whatever that has a little bit of other stuff, and then the other stuff's carb centric. Are you are, are you do you typically do whole food or are you doing more gels or quick? I'll do a mix. I'll do okay. a mix. I'll I'll do I'll do foods and I'll do gels. I I usually do the spring mm-hmm. energy gels, and then I'll take like. I'll take like potato wedges a lot of the time at races. I always hit like the fr- fr- fruit, like watermelon, banana. Like I'm never really wanting to eat like all the candy and like potato chips and all that stuff. I just, for some reason I just like the fruit, but um, yeah, I try to mix it up with the, with the solid foods and the gels. My coach has emailed me so much stuff on like carb intake and nutrition. She's probably gonna be really annoyed that I don't know anything about it. <laughs> you just tell her what you're doing is you're learning it. Uh, yeah field t- yeah i'd rather learn you know out in the field than but she's gonna yeah but she's also gonna be happy to hear what hear the numbers you're hitting so yeah. you're doing what she wants you to do yeah yeah but, but you're just not tracking it which is going to make her crazy yeah i'm not tracking it yeah but if the behavior support so i mean we had julie show <laughs> talking nutrition we've had a couple discussions on nutrition but yeah everything to just point everything you're doing pretty much lines up with what you should be doing uh based off of those conversations yeah. so i think it's good man um how are you approaching the mental game you know going into this race it sounds like you know you like to have a good time there's a little bit of concern about time but if it gets real rough out there mm. when you know when you got three broken ribs from a horse kick <laughs> what, what's your mental game to keep moving forward I think I just know at this point, like I've learned enough about myself to know that like, I I will keep going, moving forward. And as much as I like joke around about stuff or I po- post like silly reels or things like that, I, I do take it seriously. And I do like train all the time and I do want to go out and like, not necessarily, you know, not like I'm going to go out and win or something, but I, I do want to go out and, perform to like my best ability so it's not as much fun in games necessarily on race day i'm you know i am i know it's going to be tough at points and i'm and i'm out there to do this like big thing this big hard thing so um i have a little bit of nervousness about the cutoff time but i, I still feel pretty confident that it, that it's something i can do i, I feel like i put in 
quite a bit of work. And I know I've got some a lot of work to put in here over the next three weeks, but I do take it seriously when I'm out there doing doing the races for sure. Sounds like you're ready to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, man. <laughs> This has been a really fun conversation for us. I'm just really excited about what you're doing. I appreciate the motivation, the inspiration, the fun, the joy that you put out. I do think it's relatable. And I think it gives a lot of people a reason to say, hey, that looks like something that I could do. And and I want to go have a good time doing it. So keep up, you know, all that good work for the ultra running guys family. Uh, you know, we say it all the time, but we just appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for tuning in again. You know, if you're finding the value, please share it. It's the best way that we can grow, but we just appreciate you guys so much. And um, look, man, we're going to keep you around for a game that we do with Patreon. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Nothing. <laughs> I'm just nervous about the game. <laughs> i'm laughing because i'm excited <laughs> that makes so, me more nervous that's perfect so <laughs> it's one of our favorite parts of the night we're going to keep you around for that but we just appreciate you so much man thank you so much for your time awesome thank you guys all right we'll be talking soon and cut i started listening to jelly roll getting me to listen to a little more country now i listened to a lot growing up with my dad yeah like garth brooks and like yeah. travis tritt and stuff like that but i haven't listened to any newer country in a long time we're apparently running in that a heat map in arizona right now with guests yep we hit, yeah, we, hit we hit the philly area for a while and now we've kind of migrated to arizona here to be yeah yeah when i was younger i thought it'd be so great to be the ice cream man because i would have a vehicle and I could just, it was big enough I could sleep in it and then I could just eat ice cream all the time. I feel put on the spot. That's exactly That's the exactly point. It is. Nah, it's it's called put up Chris on the spot game. <laughs> well, I'm still 6'5". I didn't grow anymore. Thank <laughs> God. That didn't change. Okay, got it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was like 274.8, so. Okay, you need to update. Yeah, I'll make sure I get <laughs> Give me that. <laughs> yeah, depending on whether he's peed or not right. you know, so, in the morning, so. <laughs> we'll try not to laugh at him as he does it because you know sometimes he makes mistakes that's the best thing about editing if I, see, I can screw up as many times as I want nobody ever knows so. <laughs> I might want to re redo that answer I feel like I was rambling a lot can I do that? I mean, sure. Yeah, I thought got, it was good. I actually thought it was, was good, good too, but if there's more you want to say I mean, on it I was great <laughs> okay, then we'll keep it And being a bin, uh, <laughs> you got to me on this one. <laughs> Reset. And being a big. <laughs> All right, listen, thank you so much. We recognize the fact that you are probably just hanging on just for a couple more minutes as you're finishing up your run. But really, we do want to give you a huge thank you for the constant support that you've shown us. We hear you and we feel you. And the best way for us to continue to grow is for you to share us with your friends. Tell them what you put in your ears when you're out there on a long run. Hit the like button, leave us a comment, um, leave a review and give us some direct feedback on what you like about the show and also what you don't like. We're here to improve and do it for you. And it really means the world. And listen, if you would like to support financially, you can connect with us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the ultra running guys, or you can use the support link in the show notes. Any and all support goes directly back into growing the show and helping us get better at what we love to do, which is to serve all of you. And with that, finish up that run, get cleaned up, and just show up. Clean. Clean. <laughs>